This is the final episode of the season. The weather is getting hot and it's about that time for a vacay. I want to thank all my new and ongoing listeners for tuning in this season as I chatted about multiple avenues surrounding sexuality. I hope you enjoyed, took some notes, had discussions with family and friends, and most importantly, what discoveries can you apply to your own life in this moment? In this episode, I am chatting with my dear friend Shauna on the struggles of being a virgin and abstinent in your 30s. Basically, life without sex. (laughs) What is our purpose and reasoning behind this lifestyle? We definitely had some fun on this one, so stay locked in. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned. You might learn some things. Listeners, I'm here with a dear, dear good friend of mine, Shauna Brown. She is a returning guest to She Discovered podcast. I don't remember the episode number, but you were definitely a part of season two where we were speaking about the the beauty of vulnerability as well as debunking the negative connotations that come with vulnerability. So definitely have you back on She Discovered podcast, my love. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. So happy to be here again. Most definitely, most definitely. So this time around, since this season, we are talking about everything sex. It looks like my listeners and my viewers spoke to me and I had to listen. This was not a part of, uh, let's say, the, the plan or the outline that I had for this season. But when your listeners and viewers talk and they request something, depending on what it is, definitely got to answer. So most of my listeners, after listening to the episode of Female Sexual Awareness, which you can find on YouTube if you want to watch it, and you can also hear the audio episode on She Just covered podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. All of us on the panel were women that were experienced, right? We had already had sexual encounters and a lot of women who are virgins, I should say, or are celibate just wanted more of a perspective from that point. They just wanted to get more inside look from the woman that decides, you know what, I want to wait till marriage or how do I embrace embrace my sexuality while I wait? Um, what does female sexual awareness look for some look like for someone who is celibate, you know? So um, I wanted to bring you on here because and we had a discussion beforehand, but to bring you on here because you want to share your experience. So we're definitely going to be tapping into the struggles that be happening when you are a virgin or even when you're abstinent. So if you have not a already figured it out. I am the abstinent one and Shauna is the virgin. (laughs) 
I want to start actually with the Q&A. You listeners have brought in a lot of questions and we are here to answer them. And then we'll continue to go into any other topic points that we need to reach. So, Sean, are you ready for our Q&A session? Absolutely. But before we get into the Q&A, Shauna, I want you to describe or to explain to me, how do you feel being in your 30s, being a virgin or being known as the virgin? And I would assume maybe not many people know that about you unless they're really in your close circle. But what does it feel like? for you to know that you're still a virgin um, in your 30s, knowing that society, it's not the norm in society, right? And sometimes it could be looked down upon or even made fun of. Can you just give us a brief uh, description of your story of why you're still a virgin in your 30s? And I know even the way I'm saying it, I'm like, dang, because it's it's something that has been embedded in the mental that even when I'm saying it is this this feeling of like, I hope she doesn't feel bad at man, this kind of feels weird me saying this because when you connect the two, it always is in the light of, man, what happened that you're still a virgin in your thirties, you know what I mean? Or what's going on? So even asking the question, I'm just like, man, this feels kind of weird, but at the same time, you know, we're close friends. So we've had multiple discussions on this. Two questions I'm hearing. What is my background that led me to this decision and how do I feel about it presently? Um, So funny you were asking the question and the first thing that came to mind the programmed response when we hear such things is like oh poor you poor baby is like instant pity first of all I don't pity myself this was a conscious decision and it's not something that I carry around kind of like crouching my personality type is that I like to absorb what others are doing around me and evaluate and make a decision I am spontaneous but I'm not always necessarily impulsive so for me still reeling from the boatload of trauma that I experienced I was not in the mood to deal with any other drama by late high school was when I was finally in a place where I was not only just interested but like I said it was not a priority by late high school was when I was like okay all right but I lived in a conservative home and they were like shut it down (laughs) Mm -hmm. flash forward to college dating was a component of my college experience I also recognized though that because I was in college there would be a certain level certain level of expectations that I would have certain experiences by now. I would say that was probably the time where I felt the most insecure about it Mm -hmm. because I understood the reasons why I did it. Beginning, I was uh, completely avoiding any drama. And later on, I didn't really have the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, but I didn't have the language and the confidence to be able to express that. An important component I must also mention is that in college was the first time that I really encountered major health issues. I was a sophomore in college. I had an accident, a sporting accident, and I broke my back. And so that was also a challenge. And if anyone has ever faced any sort of chronic illness or major life-changing medical situations, you recognize that your time and your priorities shift instantly. So you're not thinking about dating. (laughs) You know, you're not consumed by a lot of the normal day-to-day activities that your peers are. 
So mm-hmm. for me, it was a struggle. So that also impacted why I did not have the space to invest in relationships. All right. So we're going to continue and ease our way into the Q&A like we said we would. So as a virgin, would you want to marry someone who is also a virgin or would you prefer someone who's experienced? My personal preference is that I don't have one. I currently do not have a preference because I am of the mindset that when we're entering into this relationship, my body is mine, your body is yours. When we're coming together, we are going to create something unique. For us, it's going to be growing together regardless. So if you have more experience than me, you will have to ex- you'll have to be patient in my learning when we are more on an equal plane, then we'll continue to journey and grow together. And if we're both starting from scratch, then we're both starting from scratch. We're both learning and we're starting at the same skill level from, from the jump. So for me, I am open and willing to journey either way mm-hmm. as long as he is also willing and open to journey with me. Mm, I like that. Also willing to journey with you. So for myself, as a person who has had the experience of having sex, I I remember even back then when we were roommates, right? I used to ask myself, or we used to talk about that, like, yo, would you be with a virgin or would you want somebody who's experienced? And I know I used to say like, nah, fam, I don't want no virgin. I don't got no time to teach you nothing. Like you got already come experience. And even till now, I must admit, I I still have that type of bias mentality, but not as concrete or definite as it was before, right? Because I've known a friend who is married now and she was also experienced. She wasn't a virgin, but her husband was. And um, let's just say they don't got no problems in the bedroom, right? So so I, I had to see it as just because a man, same way for a woman, may be coming into the experience as not being as experienced when it comes to having sex. That doesn't mean that they don't have a sexual imagination of what they would like to do or what they would like to experience. That doesn't mean that they don't have a a sense of sexual awareness, you know, to, to understand their body or to understand a woman's body. And I think that's the, I think that's what's more attractive to me that a man who has taken the time to be sexually aware for himself, meaning like I may not have had sex, but that doesn't mean I don't have an imagination of what I would like or what I don't like or what I can't wait to do to my wife or what exploration I can't wait to partake in, right? Like you said, it's a journey. So for me, I think it's more important to have all these conversations, you know, before the marriage and while we're dating to have an understanding of our sexual identities. What does our sexual identity look like? And I think based on that communication, it will kind of set for the foundation of what our experience in the bedroom will look like. Because I can go in thinking that, oh, this guy, he's experienced, he's not a virgin and he's good to go. And when we get in the bedroom and when we have sex, I realize, ooh, this is not what I expected. You know what they call sex expectations. This is not <laughs> what I expected. Yep. But I know regardless if they are a virgin or not a virgin, there's a lot of communication that has to happen beforehand. I don't believe in waiting until marriage to have sexual conversations in fear of temptation nope. because such as yourself, I believe everyone has a story. So I'd rather hear your story as to why than already prejudge you and feel like, well, you're a virgin. So sex is going to be whack. 
Thank you for coming this far into the episode. I wanted to share the exciting news of She Discovered Podcast expanding to YouTube. We will still be streaming audio episodes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. In addition, extra episodes will air via YouTube from time to time. So please be sure to follow and subscribe. Updates and teasers can be found on Instagram at She Discovered Podcast. Enjoy the rest of the episode. So the next question that our listeners gave in was, I guess this is towards myself, as a person who is remaining abstinent until marriage, how do you explore your sexuality? Yes, I've had the experience, but I've been able to take this time while I've been abstinent to imagine all the things that I desired from before that wasn't able to be experienced, that now I have this time to really sit and reflect on certain things, to sit and reflect on my sexual identity. The things that I did before, was it based on what society told me sex should look like? Was it based on what music and movies and porn told me? Or was it based on what I knew that Shay liked, what Shay wanted to experience. It really enabled me to take a step back and reflect. And based on that, I've realized I, I have a very high imagination. I'm I'm more of a sensual being than, than anything else. And I think a lot of people have sensuality because sensuality is just basically tapping into your senses in relation to your sexuality, right? With that said, with me taking this time out, of how do I explore my sexuality? I just let my imagination run its course and I kind of store it in the memory bank. Like these are the things that I look forward to partaking in. These are the things that I look forward to playing out. I take time to reflect and journal without shame or the, the feeling of, well, you have these sexual desires and yes, you are a believer of God and the most high in his scriptures, but there's nowhere in scripture that states that you having these sexual desires is a sin. You know, even though we've been taught that in when we're going to get into that later on with the whole purity culture that, you know, to have these desires, you got to push them away. You got to avoid temptation, but really taking the time to sit with all these things and, and realize, or even do stuff like listen to music, light candles, take bubble baths, all those things that they say women should do for self-care, I believe is a component of also exploring your sexuality because these things, again, ignite your senses and our senses play a part in our sexuality or in our sexual experiences. So there are a couple of things I wanted to add. I'm glad you mentioned journaling, writing. One of the principles in healthy communication with yourself and others is always being honest. So admitting the truth, not only when you have a problem, do you have to be honest? It's also when you have inspiration, Mm. when you have desires, like be honest with it. So avoiding it is not a healthy way of embracing your sexuality. Whether you are abstaining or whether you have never had does not mean that your body isn't cultivating expectations, right? So journaling, you can actually just sit in your thoughts, ask questions, you can get online and find healthy forums, right? Healthy forums that are talking about the things that you're interested in. Sexual interest is first triggered in your mind and your body. There's a longer period than it is for men. For us, what Shana is saying actually has a huge, (laughs) huge relevance 
to you exploring your sexuality. Figure out what sense you like, what areas are the most sensitive for you. On your body, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explore yourself. I remember in college, how many, because I did go to a Christian university, so there was a variety of experiences that mm-hmm. were in the dorm. And there were countless women in college who had never seen their body. I don't get it. So for me, you grow up, you have a mirror, and then you get dressed in front of the mirror, you check yourself naked and dressed. That was that was how I was raised, right? Mm-hmm. That way, you know, you, my mom always said, you know, always pay attention to what's happening to your body so that you are aware when something changes and is different. Right. And you can kind of tune in like, is that a good change or not? But I can also understand that I can look at the mirror without actually seeing myself. So mm-hmm. I can I can get that as well. So it blew my mind that there were women who had never seen themselves naked, like really taking it in. Take that time, get a mirror, put it down by spread your legs and see what you look like see that it is natural and just embrace yourself so when it comes to like what can i do what are some steps that i can take what are some actions here are a few that we've listed and i would even encourage all of us to go online and see what others are saying see what sex therapists are saying how can a woman take ownership of her sexual identity outside of actually being sexually active Exactly, exactly. And even the part when you said, you know, spread your legs, get a mirror and look down there for some people, depending on their upbringing or their outlook on the body or sexuality, even that may seem like, oof, why would I do that? And I'm like, why wouldn't you? It's reversing or not reversing. It's dismantling the thought process that you even examining your own genitals should be shameful. Um, I'll say this, uh, please check out a previous episode on this podcast called Sexual Anatomy, where I actually do have a sex therapist that is on and we break down the female sexual anatomy. We talk a lot of things. We talk about everything sexuality, but we really do break down the anatomy of a woman. So you'll definitely get the breakdown of your vajayjay on that episode. So I suggest that you listeners go check that out. But let's let's continue with the question. So I guess this could be for both of us. Do you anticipate performance anxiety? And I'll tell you why this could be for both of us. But I know the person that asked this question was more towards the element of virginity, being that you never got to have the sexual experience in that. Do you fear that when the time comes, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I'm going to do this. So do you fear performance anxiety? No, no longer. Reason mm-hmm. why is I discovered what it truly means to be vulnerable and what it truly means to have a voice. For me, I didn't have a voice growing up. In becoming an adult, it's been a constant journey of discovering my voice, not just my thoughts. In relationships, those two things are precursors to how the bedroom operates. In the past few years, I have learned that the more that I fully embrace vulnerability with the relationships I have and practice and develop that skill and being comfortable opening up and feeling safe, also exercising my voice, the more I'm realizing that I'm empowered Mm -hmm. to represent my fears and my strengths unabashedly. 
and the fear and the anxiety starts to dissipate. I know where my control is at. I have control over my body because I'm speaking for myself. And I, when you say that, and I think that's, that's so dope. And yes, in our friendship, I've seen how with our multiple conversations, how even that narrative has changed for you. Just as you said, right? A couple of years ago, you wouldn't have expressed it in this sense because of the level of vulnerability that you have learned to, you know, embrace. So kudos to you for that one, right? It's it's always beautiful in a friendship to see how each party grows in their way of thinking or their outlook on life, right? Previously, earlier in the episode where you were saying the element of like how you take relationships seriously and how you evaluate who you want to be with. And I would say that is another component that would decrease the performance anxiety, not only you having your voice, but the confidence in who you have chosen to be in a relationship with. Knowing that, okay, this guy, my husband, (laughs) I'm about to have sex with, I know he's going to be patient. We've had, like we said, we've had the sex talk already where it's not now in the bedroom. We're like, okay, so, um, so let's talk about our sexual identity. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like these conversations have happened that when the time comes, the anxiety is not there because a trust foundation has been set. So with that said, why should I be fearful or why why should I have anxiety when I know that we're in this together? And for myself, people may think that you you've done it before, you know what you're doing. It's like riding a bike. It's just going back on, bro, listen. Listen, I've I've <laughs> I've had those thoughts because I'm not going to say how many years, but let's just say I've been abstinent for four plus years. And some people look at me and say, excuse me, what? Four, four years. I can't even last four months without sex, let alone four years. Listen, the struggle has been real. Okay. Yeah. I would, I would say, yeah, I had that thought where I'm like, man, am, is it going to be like riding a bike? Like, am I going to know? <laughs> it's been so long, you know, and I've had people make jokes. They're like, yo, it's probably like a cobweb down there. You know, it ha- it's, it's collecting dust. You know, it hasn't been used for so long. Like I said, realizing, taking that time to get to know me more, my sexual desires more. And like we've both discussed, I do anticipate that my my husband, my partner will be patient, will be loving, will be kind, will be compassionate, you know, and, and have that communication that I won't have to fear. Oh my gosh, am I great? Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to lie. Of course, you want to be the bone. But again, I think I'm just more looking forward towards the exploration journey. A couple of practical things for those who are listening that have not had sex or have had a limited experience is to once again find resources, find communities where they're giving you answers to your specific questions. There are sexual positions that are more conducive to first times make, to make them great. Mm-hmm. And another thing is to have that foreplay discussion. How does he perceive foreplay? How does he understand what the role foreplay plays in the process? So does he understand that you could potentially be revved up in like 10, 15 minutes or 40, 45 minutes? Yeah. Right? Understand that there's no set time limit. Because if he is still under the impression that foreplay is whack, your first time is going to be a disaster. Facts. 
So the next question, based on like what I was just saying with our hormones and it's not easy, what are the pros and cons of waiting? Of course, one of the cons we can say is the hormonal struggle where yes, we do get horny. Yes, just because we're abstinent or just because you're a virgin doesn't mean that you don't have desires. It just means that you have made a decision to abstain from sex for a particular reason, but it doesn't mean that our bodies have stopped working. That that is one of the cons that yes, you get desires uh, specifically for women in our 30s or 40s. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's like the libido or the urge has increased, or at least for me in my 30s, where I'm just like, oh my gosh. Oh, for both of us? Okay. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh. Ovulation week is a headache. It's a headache. Do your research. When you ovulate in, it is a thing. It is a thing. So it's just like they, some days I see some men and I'm like, Lord, Father, have mercy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the desire is there. So yes, that's one of the cons where you're just like, I can't scratch this itch. I can't just be like, oh, you know, my little booty calls or things because of the decision that, you know, both of us have made. To tell you the truth, I wouldn't say there's any other con for me besides just that. Because everything else, else that someone would deem a con in the sense of like, well, I'm not getting experience. Just based on everything that we just said, I feel like, well, the time will come. And when it comes, I feel like it's going to be a beautiful experience. It's going to be a explorative experience. It's going to be a journey. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm not worried about the lack of experience that I'm getting. I'm not sure what other reasons a person would see it as a con, because I believe that we're, we're tackling so many of the other areas in which people would deem as a con where it becomes, like you said, exploring our sexuality, not feeling shame or not feeling that we have to wait until the day comes to do that, um, becoming sexually aware, self-aware. I think we're tackling all these things that you could correct me if I'm wrong. The only con I would say is when the hormones start kicking in and you just can't scratch that itch. Self-control is a challenge and that, that ties into that whole con realm of how do I deal? The things we always hear that fall into the con, con category is just because, like, how do we respond to what's natural? I agree. There's not really a lot else out there besides that, like, how you react to it. But it's 100% real. Quick story. With a lot of the health issues I've had to deal with, I've had a lot of hormonal imbalances at different stages. I remember I reached out to you and I was like, Shana, I'm I'm crawling up the wall right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, some health issue and it was causing such a, an extreme imbalance with my hormones that I remember there was a month four straight weeks of high like high off the charts <laughs> drive and I was just like god I don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> Like I was going, I was going bonkers. I yeah. couldn't process. I couldn't get anything done during the day. Couldn't get nothing done at night. I was like, oh, it's seven o'clock bedtime. <laughs> Listen, because when that joint is on your mind, it is on your mind. In that situation, 
Um, I phoned a friend. I'm gonna need to. I'm gonna need to phone a friend. There's no right formula for how to react to Correct. your body because mm-hmm. it's so situational. So for me, I was experiencing something very abnormal. All right, that was putting me in a precarious situation where I was ready to hop on my phone. That was what my body was doing to me. Right, mm-hmm. definitely crazy. But there mm-hmm. are a lot of tools that you can get access to that can help you to not just, oh, shove your hormones aside and my Correct. sexual and be like, no, it's a demon. I need to cast it away. No. <laughs> Embrace it, understand it, and learn how to put it in its proper place. Because when you say that, so a person would ask, so what do you do then? Because, you know, for guys, they say, go work out, go take a cold shower, yada, yada, yada. And again, another episode, because all this season we're talking about sex, the episode called Male Sexual Awareness, the guys kind of talk about that, right? Listeners, go check out that episode as well. Okay, plug. Um, But... They mentioned that it's just like, no, it's not easy as taking a shower. It's not easy as, yo, just go work it off. You know, they said what has helped them. And I believe one of the gentlemen said something about, you know, learning to practice discipline in other areas, self-control in other areas that when it comes to the hormones, you're able to implement those same discipline and self-control elements that you have learned. Um, Another gentleman said that, yeah, he had community around him where he's just like, I need to call homeboy of mine that has the same mindset because you could call a different homeboy and he gonna tell you what to do but (laughs) of a person of the same mindset and understand what your goal is to you know talk you through it or just to have a conversation to take your mind off of it for myself I think would be the same thing where you know I would have conversations with my tribe you know and we and we get through it or they help me get through it or another element would be I would put my imagination to work to tell you the truth you know like you said sometimes it's early bedtime and I'll go to bed and I'll just be like, you know what? This is what I would imagine I would love to do. All right, store it in the memory bank because best believe when the time comes, all these moments that I was imagining, oh, we gonna play it out. Roll <laughs> the decks. Flip this one. Flip this one. <laughs> Listen, li- future husband, I'm gonna tell you now, we gonna have some fun. <laughs> We could have some fun. My mother is also a supporter of this podcast. She's probably going to hear this and be like, Lord, have mercy. This is my daughter. But she already knew who she raised. So what up, mom? Don't be surprised, mama. Don't be surprised. Shout out to mama. She probably going to laugh at this or frown. Either way, she know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) She know what it is. So what would you say is um, some of the pros to waiting? Education. The opportunity that I have before me is that Mm -hmm. I have space resources to become really sexually intelligent. We talk about financial intelligence, we talk about emotional intelligence, there's a whole lot of intelligence that we're learning about and being empowered about. Mm -hmm. Sexual intelligence is a thing. I have that opportunity. Another pro, I am a better partner now because I'm a healthier human now than I Mm -hmm. was in the past. Communication. Mm -hmm finances sex sex these are the things that kill marriages i'm taking ownership of that now (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be reactive i'm being proactive so Mm -hmm. i guess the short answer is that the biggest pro is that i can be proactive about all the things that make sex great so that i'm the best partner 
I know people may say, well, I can be sexually active and still be able to educate myself and take time to be sexually aware. And I'm not going to knock that. Knock that. You definitely can. But for us, and I believe that there is a higher ratio when you're able to remove that type of distraction. And I don't mean to belittle the sexual experience um, between two human beings as a distraction, but to a certain extent, yes, it is a distraction, right? Um, I remember listening to these guys speak and they talk about how even boxers or athletes, before they're going into a game, before they're going into a match, they do not have sex. Why? Because it depletes them of their energy. Why? Because it's distracting. Um, so they want them to be 100% alert. So they remove the component of having sex beforehand, not saying that the act sex is bad, but these are the, the results of it. What I would say is that for us, like you said, I agree 100% with everything that you have said. It has given me the opportunity to take time to learn myself, like you said, to become sexually intelligent, to look into resources, to know what I want, to know what I don't want. And at the same time, I would admit it has also helped me emotionally because uh, recently I've come across understanding that, yes, because I used to be one-sided where, yes, it is true. You can become emotionally attached and heartbroken from someone or from a relationship without having sex. That's true. Because for so long, you know, I've always had the concept of like sex, you know, brings on a different type of emotional state. Um, um, you have soul ties, which I still agree with, but not removing the element that, yeah, you can still get very attached to someone without having sex and still get heartbroken and still be emotionally invested, right? So we're, we're not going to take that away. And even me, that's something that I've learned to be more balanced about. For me, I think I, I just agree with everything that you just said, where it's just given me more time to, to remove the outside noise and really look inside internally and be ready for what I'm ready to receive. Human experience, right? It's mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, social. Think about all of those components. I'm taking time to mentally develop. I'm taking time to emotionally develop. I'm taking time to spiritually develop. I'm taking time to socially develop. And I'm taking care of my physical body. That's what it means to be human. When we're taking the removal of something does not mean that we're critiquing what that is. It's simply focusing on something. That's why we use the word opportunity, right? Is to not put blame on sex and say, oh, we're removing it because it's the problem. No, we're saying I have a choice where I can focus on the all of who I am with intentionality. Easy to get caught up in the cycle of sexual activity that you neglect the other aspects of who you are. Right. We're saying that we're choosing to pause that so we can focus on these other aspects to be healthier in all relationships, especially the one that's going to require the most of us. Mm -hmm. That will be better partners. It's not just, I don't want just to have sex. You know, I can do that easy. There ain't no problem. Like, it's not that I'm ignorant of, oh, well, Shauna, you're missing out. Shay, you're missing out. It's I'm choosing to be the best sexual partner that my husband can have.
you have this person and you guys are extremely compatible. You have this amazing dating relationship, you get engaged, you get married, but that marriage is not going to create what does not exist within you. Exactly. So if I don't have a healthy heart, healthy mind, healthy soul, marriage is not going to create that for me. So I'm choosing now to create what's going to, what's going to bloom <laughs> in marriage. Again, people would say that you're able to experience these things where you don't have to wait until marriage to have sex. I can choose to be, like you said, intentional with the partners that I have. I can choose to be intentional with, you know, that one partner that I have and have that sexual relationship, which is true. I'm not going to knock that. So it goes into that next question of, so if that's possible to have outside of waiting until marriage, then why do we choose to save sex until marriage so for me i'm looking for as many opportunities in group settings by ourselves you know in out conversations on the phone video chat whatever to really know and qualify are you someone worth my time Mm -hmm. if so then let me invest it and really understand if you're worth my life if you're worth being my life partner because marriage is make or break that's the reality of it. It will impact you if it's a disaster in monumental ways. Being a product of divorce, I don't plan on taking that risk lightly. So for me, I'd rather learn how to wait and be okay waiting and really qualify the person. For myself, I would say choosing to be abstinent began with a spiritual it, beca- it became a spiritual reason because when I converted into Adventism and I was having Bible studies and so forth, um, and if, again, you haven't heard in previous episodes, I am no longer um, Adventist, um, but I still consider myself to be a believer of God, his son, the Messiah, and you know the Holy Scriptures. I just don't abide by a denomination currently. When that time happened, I chose because I I wanted to please God. I saw in scriptures that I should wait until marriage uh, to to have sex, what they would call fornication. So I was just like, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sin. So it, it became a spiritual reason of why I chose to abstain because, you know, the narrative was always that sex was for between a husband and a wife and not outside of that because it complicates things. And in society, we can see how it complicates things, right? You know, you don't want to to catch diseases with people you don't know, you don't want to get pregnant, you know your body is for your spouse and vice versa. So all these narratives is what was playing out. Now I would say where I'm at mentally not being attached to a denomination, I would say that I must admit I'm not as strict where let's say if I was in a very committed relationship, I know this person is going to be my husband and we end up having sex, right? Am I now going to be like, oh my gosh, I have done the (laughs) unpardonable sin. No, my mentality is not going to be that way because at the end of the day, what I'm looking for is for commitment. What I'm looking for is for trust. But yes, I still believe that it's a beautiful component to wait until marriage, right? To have sex because there's more of a sense of safety 
for me. There's more of a sense of like, we have entered into a covenant. And I think that's where I see the importance when I look into scripture is the covenant that comes into place, right? That my body is now yours and yours is now mine because we have vowed to now enter into this long lasting relationship with one another. We have vowed to take care of one another. We have vowed to respect one another, right? We have vowed to put God at the center of our relationship. So for me, the desire is that I want that to be my foundation. I want that to be the atmosphere and the environment that I enter into when I have sexual experiences again. And I understand people can have committed, respected relationships outside of signing papers. Because a lot of people will say, well, marriage is just signing papers. You know what I mean? And that's true. And we're not even going to go into that history lesson, right? Of like marriage is, is, is a paper. But for us, when we look at it historically, um, when we look at it biblically, and even if you look at other cultures outside of the Western culture of what marriage is, you would see it was way deeper than just paper. But it definitely was about building legacies. It definitely was about covenants. Because again, people must say, well, that that doesn't mean that's how it's always going to happen. People cheat in marriages, certain marriages, you know, have this going on or that going on. And again, I'm speaking from the outlook on a healthy marriage, that there is communication, that there is trust, that there is faithfulness, right? I believe in a lot, not all. I don't want to generalize, but I believe a lot of marriages have failed because of what we said, a lot of the foundational work was not done. And not only the foundational work, the continuous work, even once you get into the marriage was not done. So it's just not, okay, we're doing marriage counseling. We're doing all these things. Okay. We're set. We get into the marriage and it's like, you forget about all the elements that you should still continue to be working on. Cause at the end of the day, you're dealing with two individuals. Y'all weren't raised in the same house. You came from two different ba- uh, backgrounds, two different outlooks on life. You know, yes, you have now become, or you are compatible to enter into a marriage with each other. There is purpose in your marriage. And it's not just, Oh, I just want to have sex. or I just want to be married, which hmm, that's another reason some people enter into marriage and that could be a situation for disaster. But what I'm trying to say is that understanding that even let's say this, even siblings that come from the same household grow up to have different personalities. So let alone people that, (laughs) you know what I mean, are totally two different strangers coming together to live a life with one another. It's a continuous work, you know, of all those elements. So another question would be, while we're talking about the church and spirituality, Shauna, I know that you've done some research when it came to the purity culture, because for myself, I would say I only have a limited amount of knowledge because I grew up Catholic, but there was no such thing as what I witnessed as the purity message um, in Catholicism. And then once I decided to no longer be Catholic, I was just doing my own thing. I believed in God. You know, I would pray here and there, but I was doing my thing. I was sexually active. I had my boyfriend. I was partying, doing whatever. And then once I got converted and came into a different Christian experience, that's when I started hearing about, you know, 
waiting till marriage for sex, the the purity message and um, how to even date as a Christian and all these elements. Now understanding that looking back, I can see how certain things were positive and how it shaped my mind even now, you know, the outlook of sex within marriage, but I could also see the negative messages that were received also that, like we said, caused shame when it came to our sexual desires, telling us to push it aside or that it was our responsibility to make sure that a man doesn't uh, is not tempted. And even in marriage, we must fulfill our husband's desires because it's our responsibility that he doesn't cheat. It's crazy, but you growing up in Adventism and growing up in the church, you saw more of these narratives. So it's like the, the purity culture gave an illusion of happy, fulfilled marriages based on remaining quote unquote pure before marriage. And that wasn't all, always the case. So what, what is your definition of that or experience with the purity culture? My experience was that it put a lot of emphasis on painting this idealistic utopian experience. I do X, Y, and Z, boom, done. Marriage is going to be great. Then people start getting married. I'm in my 30s. A lot of my friends married. Surprises start coming around. Know what to do? I was petrified. Like you have women petrified of the wedding night because they are uninformed and they have, they feel a pressure. They feel so much pressure and anxiety. I understand that the purity movement was you had boomers and older Gen Xers who came out of like the 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. They saw stuff and they wanted better. You know, they wanted better mm-hmm. for the next generation. I completely get that. But that's why throughout this podcast, we've emphasized that fundamental principles are what make relationships successful. Mm-hmm communication, authenticity, vulnerability are what make relationships successful, relationships of all kinds. That was not a component of the purity movement. There wasn't vulnerability. Adults weren't opening up to their experiences. They were not educating the youth. It was more of a list of do's and do nots, right? Mm -hmm. Go out and group dates. I don't want to be around everybody all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. When you when you say that, it reminds me that in the mission to abstain from sex and to avoid temptation or avoid your sexual desires so you don't burn in hell. And that's another concept in essence or in turn, you actually were not equipping people properly with social skills. You were not equipping men and women to be ready, like you said, foundationally for the sexual experience. You were just basically suppressing everything Um, because when you say group dating, right, that's fine. That's cool. But in the sense of like solo dates are a no, no. So it's like, how do you even equip the man and the woman to even know how to socially communicate with each other, how to practice self-control or discipline or how to like you evaluate a partner? If you're never in a position to evaluate them. Exactly. How to evaluate them. So all those elements. And I'm like, man, that is so true. It was like the the mission for wanting to just (laughs) save you, you know what I mean? And and keep you pure. And it's like, what's the definition of pure anyway? Because there's a lot of people out here waiting. Doesn't always equate pure or doesn't always equate better sex. Because especially if there is a lack of 
especially if there's a lack or misconstrued information that is being given. I'm thinking about it now. And I remember this um, girl in high school who said, you know, during prom, you know, she's going to, you know, make out with her boyfriend, but she's going to make sure she doesn't lose her virginity. She comes back the next day or the weekend, um, the week after, because it was during the weekend. And then she's just like, so guys, this is what I did. She was like, yeah, so, you know, he did anal. And then we're like, <laughs> I thought you said you wasn't going to lose your virginity. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't lose my <laughs> I didn't lose my virginity. You know, we, he gave it to me anal. So it's just like the front is still intact. And I'm like, oh, so that's your definition that now you deem that I'm still pure because I didn't have quote unquote intercourse. My friend, he entered the back. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just like even our definitions of what purity is, you know what I mean, has been misconstrued of, well, as long as you don't have intercourse or as long as you don't let anybody touch you, but not understanding, like you said, and suffocating our understanding of what intimacy is. Yo, the purity culture even said like, yo, don't even hold hands, fam. Yeah. Don't even hold hands. I kiss dating goodbye. How many of you have heard of that book? Yep. I kiss dating goodbye. So it's like teaching you not even a healthy concept. Instead of giving us healthy tools, it was more of suppression, 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 which now you sent a whole bunch of individuals into marriages where the not only was the the sexual experience affected, but that now seeped over into the social experiences. It seeped into the other other forms of communication within the marriage. And then you wonder why even within Christendom, there's so much unhappy marriages. It's not that the the problem that uh, Christian dating or, or, or Christian marriages or people that believe in the Bible, that's a problem or, or the sanctity of marriage is a problem is the way that we've been equipped to enter into marriage is the problem. The fact that we haven't been giving the healthy and intelligent tools to enter into a spiritual marriage, you know what I mean? So... Reminds me of Brene Brown. Um, For those of you guys who are not familiar with her, she is the queen of emotions. She now has a show on HBO Max, just Mm -hmm. came out recently, early 2020. And it's amazing. So as the queen of emotions and really taking the topic of shame and really teaching people what it means to be vulnerable taking that nationwide probably global now Mm -hmm. and educating people she shared that as a parent it helped her to understand that when we're talking about emotions and communication all these things we're talking about like okay but isn't this important or isn't that important she realized in our culture we've been taught to protect people from instead of how to react to. Mm -hmm. So instead of teaching people how to respond to your body, how to respond to your emotions, how to respond to your thoughts, how to respond to external factors you don't have control over, instead of we're driven to control and prevent. And this is not to throw shade at anyone in particular, but it's an opportunity for us to take a moment and be introspective. Let's use the example of parenting. How many times, and it's so easy and it's so understandable. It's not, it's not, we're not saying that we're bad people, (laughs) Mm -hmm, but a mm -hmm. kid is running down the driveway playing and then trips and falls and skins their knee. How many of 
of us would want to make sure that never happens again instead of teaching them how to respond to the pain. Correct. Them how to get back up. Is he, oh, I want to protect them. I want to put them in a bubble. That's not productive. Understandable, but not productive. What that does, it puts them into a position where they enter into the workforce and they don't know how to respond to conflict. They don't know how to respond to pain in marriage and their friendships. It's valuable for us to be able to understand how do we react to things. And that's why earlier I wanted to mention that there's a lot of practical ways that we can respond to our sex drive, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not turn it off. It's learn how to react to it, respond to it. So just, mm-hmm. I want to mention that. So we feel empowered that we don't have to control everything, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to control all the variables of marriage to make it work. We don't have to control dating, like have a fist over dating to protect our sexuality. No, instead we need to learn how to think and how to respond. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I guess following with that, with the, uh, another question that was asked was, where do spirituality and sexuality meet? And when I see that question, my first response is, why do they have to meet as if they're separate? Yep. When I think of spirituality and sexuality, we've been taught that it's separate and it's not. If you are a believer of God, I believe that God created those elements within our body. In the episode that I did with uh, the sex therapist, she mentioned something about our anatomy when she spoke about the clitoris. And she said the clitoris has no other purpose in our anatomy but to experience pleasure. So if that's the case, why is it put there, fam? Clearly it's put there for me to experience pleasure. If it's a part of my anatomy to do so, then my creator God, the most high God knew what he was doing and the beauty in that. Now, where it becomes out of context is where we have perverted sex, where we have separated it from us being spiritual beings, you know, partaking in the sexual act, but it's not outside of each other that they need to come and meet, but understanding that they're one and the same, but we've been taught that they are separate. Now the question should be, how do we now discover how they're one and the same? How do we now, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? How do we discover that they're now one and the same? How do we ignite it to bloom within us where our spirituality and our sexuality doesn't have to be separate. We turn on the light to our sexuality, but put spirituality on the back end, or we put our spirituality, turn the light on for that, but put our sexuality aside, understanding that they coincide with each other. But how does that look? You know? And I think even that, I I don't even think we should answer that question. I think that should be an explorative thing for each individual for themselves. You know, what does the spiritual and sexual component look like together within myself. You know what I mean? Or if you're a believer in the Bible, what does the Bible say about that outside of what we've been taught in the church about it? Because let's be real, the church ain't teaching you about how sexuality and spirituality are one and the same. They themselves have separated that. I would add to that, what? how do you define spirituality? One of the things that I love about conversations with Shay is that we oftentimes take on topics that have been tossed out the window within Christian circles. Mm-hmm. Is there any truth within this topic? And then, you know, pull it out and like really uh, you know, analyze, dissect it. I was like, well, how does spirituality connect to our sexuality? We are spiritual. We are sexual. Right. If we want to go back to the beginning, (laughs) 
God created us to commune. Like inherently, God is a social being. Being social and spiritual is synonymous. <laughs> like, Amen. God says, I am. There is no him without it. I am sexual. There's no human without sexuality. There's mm-hmm. no human without spirituality. The challenge wow. is how we develop and understand it. I'm glad that Shana is having this as a challenge to everyone to really be introspective. It can be hard to define because there's so much ambiguity out there. I echo that challenge because we took it. We took that challenge because we didn't want to depend on external factors to define our relationship with God anymore. Amen. I'm figuring it out or I feel like I have figured it out, but I don't want to say I have figured it out. It would mean that there's no more room for more knowledge or there's no more room for new discovery. So I will say I am figuring out that element of like, how does my spirituality and sexuality play itself out in my everyday life and how it's going to play out? So with that, we'll wrap it up and we'll do this last question. And I believe how we've been answering our questions has actually Um, overflowed into some of the other points that we were going to make anyway, right? So, but this question, and I think we've answered it a little bit um, with other questions, but I guess we could go a little bit deeper or maybe add on things that we, we have failed to mention or forgot to mention, I should say. How do you plan on expressing your sexuality and your relationship when that comes. <laughs> Look at you smiling. <laughs> One of the first thing that always comes to mind is having that communication about how and where. So growing up in a conservative Christian environment and being half West Indian, it was a bed in a bedroom. I'm not that woman. For me, I see it as something to it's like an adventure a lot of studies have discovered that women as we mature and our sexuality matures we require more versatility to hold our interest so monotony actually tends to statistically kill the sex drive for women so for me that's the type of environment i want to be a part of i'm all for let us continually put ourselves out there and step outside of our comfort zone that's Mm -hmm. how i i think that's a good way to explain it i don't want to have a box and not to throw shade but for me my personality in order for me to be happily content in my sexuality 20 years after we need to be doing that because there are a lot of people who start off in that space and then it fizzles and i love that you mentioned it with sex because remember i said earlier that you know a lot of the mistakes that we make within marriage is the foundation that we set beforehand we felt like as soon as we get married we didn't need to continue it because we're married now and it's like no it's everything is continuous so even within sex it's just like yeah let's continue to play be playful let's continue let's continue to explore it but don't get me wrong we understand the elements especially with women when children come into play our hormones are changing life changes health issues may 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 come to be a part of that but again if you're dealing with two individuals where communication is the key element to the relationship and trust and compassion and kindness understanding all these elements of course we understand there are times where we're not going to be so great with implementing these these things right we're human beings we're going to toss this paper aside this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like, I don't feel like being, I don't feel like being so kind right now. But um, at the end of the day, just understanding that, yeah, even within the life changes that, again, we will be intentional mm-hmm. about 
for myself, I would say how I plan on practicing my sexuality is basically what I said earlier, realizing the depth of communication, imagination, and most recent discovery is redefining foreplay. And what I mean by that, I realized, again, speaking to the sexual therapist, that she said a lot of times we see foreplay as things that we can do physically before penetration. So it's like you said, the touches, the kisses, the taking our time, maybe it's the music, but she was like, foreplay is anything just like the terminology for, which means before, before the playtime comes, or maybe before penetration happens, what are all the elements you're doing beforehand? And it doesn't have to be physical. Mm -hmm. Are you sending a sexy text message saying, I can't wait till you get home? Are you cooking an awesome meal? And that could be male or female. What are the things that you're saying to me throughout the day that doesn't even need to be like sexual innuendos? What are the ways that you're even prepping my mind, you know, for the sexual experience? Because again, these guys that I was listening to, the same ones that were talking about to be aware that sex can be a distraction, especially for athletes and stuff like that, that they said, um, and I love the way they said it, but they basically said where they were like, yo, before I hit the headboard, I need to hit her vision board. And I said, oh, hey said oh he was like yeah he was like a lot of times we want to you know enter her you know her canal but we don't want to enter her mind and i was just like brother preach brother so they were like yo what are the ways that you're stimulating her before you even penetrate her you know so i think those are the ways that i'm just like oh redefining what foreplay even looks like Doing this podcast has enabled me to express myself sexually this season, talking about sex, learning about sex, talking to other people and understanding their perspectives and outlook on sex. It has educated me so much that I believe it has prepared me even to know or to to have more questions to ask my partner because it's like I've been filled with new knowledge. So it's just like, yo, let's talk about it, you Mm -hmm. know, from both male and female. So, yeah, I I think those are the ways both you and I, everything that we've mentioned is is ways that, you know, we're getting ready to partake in our sexual experience, but the same way that we're expressing it now where we don't have to be active to express it. Well, this has been a lengthy one, but a good one. (laughs) And again, there was so much more that we could have talked about that it probably could have created its own season when, you know, we're discussing the element of virginity abstinence, celibacy, all these components, Christianity and sexuality, all these things are just not a one episode thing. I understand that. But I I hope my listeners that we've left you with a lot of gems, a lot of resources and things to think about so you can continue on the, you know, the journey of educating yourself when it comes to that. If you have also chosen to be abstinent and waiting until marriage or even waiting for more of a fulfilled relationship relationship before you partake into sex. And of course, this will be in the descriptions, um, in the 
show notes, but I'll say it here anyway. We do recommend that you read a book called The Great Sex Rescue, which discusses all, even the purity culture, all the negative connotations that have come along with uh, the sex topics that has happened within Christianity and how you can recover from that and um, the positive elements of sexuality and Christianity or sexuality and spirituality. And the same author, that author is Sheila Ray Gregoire. Um, hopefully I'm pronouncing her last name right. And they also have a follow-up book called The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. So that's basically a follow-up to their first book. So it talks everything sexuality with no shame and how to still keep your spiritual or biblical principles and moral intact with, without shaming or even suppressing your sexuality. And just like Shauna mentioned earlier, there's an awesome podcast, which is her favorite. It's called Sex Within Marriage, but it talks everything sexuality, but from a Christian perspective. So definitely check that out. Again, it will be in the show notes. So Shauna, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. This was so much fun. We have been vulnerable. We have been honest. Thank you. Thank you. So again, listeners, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Please share it with anyone that you believe will be benefiting from it. And then until next time, tune in to She Discovered Podcast. Thank you for listening into this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment creating your own inner discoveries. And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated.